In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. We are today excited to be sitting and talking with Michelle Gray. You may or may not know her. I have known her for years, and that's why I'm excited, because she is a disciple maker. She's an amazing Christian woman, and we have gotten to uh, spend some time uh, locally here in our community making disciples, but I've also been able to travel the world with her and her husband and see her making disciples in other contexts with women. And so you are in for a treat. So welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast, and welcome Michelle Gray. Thank you. That was so kind. Well, it's true. It's true. And we are glad that that you're here today to help us, because discipling women is something that I'm not that familiar with. <laughs> well, that would make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you are. Yes. And you've been doing this for years. Yes. And so uh, give us a little bit of your story. How did you get into discipling women? Well, I think I started discipling way back in the mid-90s, actually with students working with youth group, with a youth group at a different church, and it has just sort of continued, found that I really liked working with the parents, and then as when my child was born, then I started working with parents of younger kids, and then into the children's arena, and finally into just women's groups, women's covenant groups, and it has been so much fun to do. Wow, so it is a quite a long yes. history there. And when we talk about discipling women, we're talking about just pouring everything into them that we know about how to live for Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And opening up your life and not trying to strip away all the mask and the facades and say, I am a real person and I do not have all the answers, but I am willing to walk with you to figure it out. Well, that's, I thought it was just men that wore masks. You're telling me women wear masks too? Uh, we, yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> lots of masks, lots of hats. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that. So um, what is it that you found that's been the most encouraging, inspiring to you about, about investing your time in the mm-hmm. spiritual growth of, of women? Well, oddly enough, it's seeing the fruit at the end of it. And when you, I've worked with three different covenant groups, and the, just this morning, as we were talking about our marriages, actually, we were talking about being launched into the world, and the three other women who are in my group with me are all ready to launch and all have somewhere that God is calling them to go. And it's it, it's just so amazing to see that, you know, we've been together three years, and all of a sudden, they're they're ready to rock. And, uh, and That's not out. an accident, by the way. <sighs> no, that's, that's all God. <laughs> well, and that's because you intentionally built it that way, right? I hope so, <laughs> but it's one. mostly God. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. So wait a minute. It's eight oh five on mm-hmm. a Wednesday morning, yes. and you're telling me you had a covenant group this morning. Yes, we meet at six a.m. on Wednesday mornings. Six to what? About seven thirty. Wow. Yeah, and that's pretty early it's for a lot early. of people. It's, <laughs> even for the lot. leader, huh? <laughs> yes, we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and been, so, how did you form this group? Well, we, uh, my co-leader and I decided we were actually coming out of a group that met on Wednesday mornings, and she had a couple of people that she was like, I really want to start a group, but I don't want to do it by myself. And I said, well, let's do it together. And you find a couple of people, and I'll find a couple of people, and let's see what happens. So we started with six in our group, and we're down to four, but it is a, um, it's just a great group of women. Hmm. We're all 
in relatively the same stage of life. We all have kids uh, who are in school, um, all married, which doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but it certainly, we're walking life about the same t- same way, the same time frame. And same kind of struggles, yeah. too. Yeah, so it's been great. That's incredible. That's incredible. And so uh, one thing I know about you is that uh, we've been we've had a an initiative in Russia that's been mm-hmm. going a discipling initiative there, and in Moscow. And you and your husband David went. Yes, we went together a couple so of years exciting. ago. So exciting. Yeah. What was your takeaway from going to Russia and spending a week pouring into w- women leaders, pastors there on how to be a disciple maker? I think I came back with the knowledge or the the observation that this was something so different for most churches. The idea of not just doing small groups, but doing small groups with the intention of sending them out Mm. into some sort of discipling model, whether that's a group or one-on-one or their kids or whatever. It's, here's the intention, and we want to give you, we want to give you more than just a Bible study. Yeah, and 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 we kind of expect you to do something with the stuff we use. It's not just get it and say, "Yay, that was great, and that was awesome." And I'm going back to life. It's, I got it. That was awesome. That was great. Now I have to actually do something with it. Wow, and I can tell you firsthand that there are women in Russia today. If you're listening, Slava Boga, <laughs> who are discipling other women using the tools and and a lot of the encouragement that you gave them while you were there. Yeah. And that's pretty exciting. It's, it? it's cool. It works. It works, and it's amazing. Yeah, I think you're right. So many churches and leaders have this um, this worldview, so to, this view that um, we're about just kind of fattening up the flock mm-hmm. and uh, making Christians happier and uh, more knowledgeable. And we find out that if, if serving the church as long as you have, as long as I have, that that is kind of futile. Just making fatter, happier Christians, right? <laughs> exactly. It's about equipping them, right, to then go into their world and sphere of influence and equip other people. Absolutely, and encouraging that they are equipped to say, mm. "You have the tools and you have the power." Jesus said he would; he is there with you till the end of the earth. You have all the power you need. You just got to tap into it, mm. uh, and that's that's mind-boggling for a lot of people. Yeah. Really? Okay. (laughs) Well, I can only imagine you've served in a bunch of different church roles. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel about disciple making in your future, though? Is this something something you feel like you're doing now as a role, and then you'll kind of move along to something different, or what? I don't think so. I don't think it ever stops. Um, I think I'm more intentional about it now, but I think even when I first started working with students, it was, this is what we're doing. I Mm -hmm. just didn't have a name for it. So Mm -hmm. now, even working in the student role here on staff, it's still, I'm still making disciples. Yeah. It's just a very intentional approach to the relationships. So your target audience now is sixth grade through 12th grade. Yes. And also women. And women. Moms. Yes. So um, how do teenagers, millennials, how do they um, feel about the word discipleship? Because some people think that's a big churchy, scary word. It's a very big churchy word um especially for them because it's like they can't even spell it so (laughs) well how am i supposed to define it (laughs) and so we just talk a lot about just being who god called you to be Mm. and that means you're the light and it means that when you are in a situation with your friends that you look different well you're not called to be in the world you're in the world but you're not of the world and so 
Jesus never says, I want you to look like everybody else. Mm. So that means, what are you doing to look different? Wow. And and so that's probably an easier way for them to understand sure. what that is. Yeah, and, and in their schools and how mm-hmm. they can be an influence and stuff like that. Well, I know it's a it's an emotional time of life. Absolutely. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think Dobson's one that called 16 to 26 the difficult decade. Oh, gosh, yes. I, I mean, yeah. most of your major life decisions are made before your brain is fully formed. And so many <laughs> of the kids, a lot of their big decisions are even made even before that because they're asked to decide what they want to do in middle school, which wow. I couldn't have told you what I was going to do no. when I was in seventh grade. I didn't even know what my favorite color was I yet. know. So, um, so that's kind of scary, and it's scary for them, and it creates a whole lot of anxiety and, mm. um, and just stress for them. How, how do you feel like the dis- disciple-making then speaks to that anxiety, that real life that they're dealing with? Um, what have you seen that works? So in my small group, I have seniors this year. No, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you have a group of senior girls. I do. I've had them since dis- I was in sixth grade, since they were in sixth grade. Okay, well, and you'd been discipling them. Yes. Um, and then you have a group of women you've been discipling for three years. Yes. Okay. All right, just checking. You, yeah. You're busy. And you work. <laughs> and I work. Yeah, and you teach. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> you teach, and you have a son and a daughter. Yeah, a son, yeah. And you probably need a nap right now. I probably do, because it's 8 5, yes. <laughs> So you got these girls you've been walking mm-hmm. with from boy, you've seen some transitions, haven't you? Yes. Yes. And I think for them, we just keep going back to be true to who you are. You know who you belong to. You know what he's asking you to do. Be true. Hmm. Um, and if you fall off and you do something wrong, that's fine, because we all do. And you just repent and, you know, confess that you didn't do as well as you wanted to in that situation and then do better next time. And so as long as you're on the path God has set you on. Even if you make the wrong decision somewhere along the way, it'll be okay because God can redeem that, and He He makes everything work. And so He already knows you're going to mess it up anyway. So, you know, He's already got a plan. Yeah. For that. So just just stay on the path. Stay on the path. That's a good word. Yeah. That's a good word for adults too. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for kids, adults, and us. Absolutely. Whatever we are. Yes. Wow, that that is incredible. What's encouraging to me is that this is coming from your experience, not from some book you read on, right? And um, or some class you went yeah. to, or I mean, you're you're in the trenches. We're seeing it, yes, and you're living it out. Yeah. yeah. What's your dream for these girls that you're discipling, these high schoolers? That they would be who God wants them to be, and that and that may or may not look like what the world wants them to look like to to be. Um, their careers may or may not be what they think they're going to be right now, but that God has, I know God has planned for them and that they would be open to that plan and that they would, they would fulfill his version of success hmm. for them. Cause that may look different than, may look very different than what they think right now. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank God that they have this, um, deeply spiritually grounded adult <laughs> in their life. Cause I imagine that not all of them, um, I mean, I don't know any of them, but mm-hmm. I imagine all of them probably don't have a home like that or other adults in their life like you. No, we definitely they definitely run the gamut of um, here every day, every moment the doors are open and everything that's, um, you know, always constantly learning and working and striving toward um, their parents' spirituality and maturity to we go to church on Christmas and Easter. And we have a couple whose parents now come to church because their kids come to church. They've upped their game. They've upped their game. One mom told me, I have to see, in order to see my kids, I have to come to church. (laughs) Oh, gosh. 
I think it was fantastic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly speaks to something. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Well, when it comes to uh, discipleship, I know that there are women out there listening right now, and mm-hmm. men, who um, are in, in the trenches. They're, they're doing it. They're trying to be the light, like you mm-hmm. said, that Jesus has called them to be, people of influence, giving away what they know. Uh, but I also sense with a lot of leaders some discouragement on um, are they being effective? What are they missing? What don't they know? <laughs> yeah. And I find that every time I talk to a leader like you, I learned something. So <laughs> I, I'm just, I can only think that our uh, listeners today, uh, whether they're on a treadmill or in traffic, um, are um, are interested in picking your brain. Cool. On how to uh, impart spiritual character, uh, spiritual knowledge, uh, integrity into into the lives of other people. So uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of a teaching that, that you're familiar with mm-hmm. on worldview. Okay. Um. When you think of worldview, uh, what comes to your mind? Well, when I this first came up with me when I started working with a homeschool group, a Christian homeschool group, and as a a leader of a class, as a teacher. And one of the requirements in order to get the position was to write your worldview. And I didn't have any idea what a worldview was beyond... You're the teacher. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> does that just mean how I view the world? It's beautiful. You know, I didn't know. So I had to start digging into what it meant to have a worldview, first of all. And it turns out, yes, it is just how you view the world and where you put, where you order your world, how you see it. And then the idea of going to a biblical worldview Mm. was even more complicated because I was like, well, what does that mean? I believe in the Bible. So does that mean I have a biblical worldview? And then I was like, oh, it actually doesn't. Okay. So, um, (laughs) so then I just started kind of digging into, writing a biblical worldview. And I had to do it every year. I re, I recontracted with this group. I had to rewrite it. It was a new, an exercise we did at the beginning of every year. Wow. And so, obviously, the more you do something, the deeper you go, and the the more ingrained in your psyche that becomes in your mind. And so, um, I was talking to some of my senior girls, and they were like, that is the weirdest subject ever. And so, we talked about it. We actually went to... Um, one of their groups, the FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we had a big, huge roundtable discussion on what's a biblical worldview. Was this at their school? At their school. Wow. So you were invited into their school. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, awesome. To hear teenagers trying to struggle with, well, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of led with the whole idea that everybody has a worldview. It, whether or not it's Christian or um, or not, is that's the, that's the difference in mm-hmm. how do you see the world – and to start, you have to identify what do you think about God? Who is God? Who created the world? Was there a creator? I mean, I guess you could just go back that far, right? Was there even a creator or is this all just by chance? And then from there, if we get to, no, I believe God created the world, well, who is he? Mm-hmm. And what what does that mean? And, and I would think that until you sit down and really hammer this out and put it on paper, like you've done mm-hmm. and had your students do, and I guess your women, yeah. Um, you really can't ride the fence on creation, can you? No. It's I mean, one or the other. Th- yeah. Well, maybe this, maybe <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And so to have to define that for yourself, man, what a great exercise. Yeah. And then to back it up with scripture, because mm. that's what I call, um, what we were called to do as leaders in a Christian homeschool group was to back everything we set up with scripture. If you can't back it up, then it's not, is it true? It's just your opinion. Right? Yes. And so um, having to go find the scripture that says... Um, if you believe in the Big Bang 
um, kind of theory, well, can you find the scripture that would back that up? And if you can't, then are, do you need to rethink where you are mm-hmm. um, kind of thing? So it's a really interesting way of like making your, your beliefs solid, I guess, in a way, yeah. to just say, well, this is what I believe. What you yes. believe. And then if you get to that point, then you're going to be able to defend what mm-hmm. you believe, not mm-hmm. in a mean defensive posture, but no, just, this is just what I believe. back it up, right? Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. You know, the definition we we've often used around here of a of a disciple or mm-hmm. is is a high impact Christian with a biblical worldview. And you know, when people are first uh susceptible to that definition of a high impact Christian, mm-hmm. uh that doesn't mean a pastor or a preacher. That can be an insurance salesman Absolutely. or a homeschool mom. High impact Christian with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And what you're teaching is how do you def- how do you obtain or focus or define mm-hmm. your biblical worldview? Exactly. I, you know what I like about that is that you're not telling them what their worldview should be. Right. That's up to God. I mean, God gave it to us. He gave us scripture and he said, this is true. And so in this, we figure out, okay, who is God? And then who is man? And then how did those, how does God relate to man? How does man relate to God? Let's figure all that out. And then what's truth? Is the Bible true? If it's completely true, then everything's true in it. If it's not completely true, then none of it's true. So you have to, I mean, you really have to struggle around this. And if I believe the Bible's true, then every decision I make should be seen and should be made through the lens of Scripture. Yeah. And then, and but of course, a lot of people tend to shy away from that because it's hard <laughs> and it's work. Yeah, because what if what I believe doesn't line up with Scripture? Exactly. Then, then I should have the authority to just change Scripture, right? Exactly. And no, <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> no, but that's what the world's trying to do. Yes. That's what a lot of people are trying to do, is to reinterpret what the church has mm-hmm. traditionally said and what the Bible still Bible says, says Yes. to match what we think it should say mm-hmm. versus what God has really said about it. Right. And wow. so, so it's hard. And I found when I um, when I wrote this my statement in my biblical worldview the first time that I really had to wrestle and really had to struggle with it, and then it changed the way not only the way I taught but it also changed the way I made decisions because I was like, why am I doing it this way? This doesn't line up with what I just said I believed. Mm. Okay, back up and let's do this again and um, make different choices or go a different route. And none of us likes to change. Most people are very intolerant of change and are frightened of it. And so the idea of, but I've always done it this way. If it's you just wrote down something that was counter to what you've always done. Huh. So, okay. <laughs> how are you going to, how are you going to deal with that? Yeah. And, you know. It's kind of a belief and behavior mm-hmm. uh, paradigm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That do my beliefs really drive my behavior? Yeah. Or do my, does my behavior, behavior drive what I believe? Yeah. yeah, and what you're telling us is that your beliefs mm-hmm. are what needs to drive your behavior because our beliefs come from what's in alignment with Scripture, right? And and and, and that biblical worldview, right? Um, you know, it's funny to me that that doesn't just we don't that doesn't just come natural to us. So not natural. It's like <laughs> it's like we're growing up in this world uh, as a kid and then an adult, and then we hit the wall with our life or something. Mm-hmm. And we realize that our worldview and the biblical worldview are probably different, and I need to change. Mm-hmm. Well, I think our world is so emotional. I think we're so driven by the way I feel, 
the way I, what I want, uh, how everybody else perceives me, that kind of thing, rather than the way that God says. And I love the biblical worldview because this really appeals to, it appeals to my logical thinkers. Um, my creative thinkers have, they struggle with it a lot, but my logical thinkers, they really like this because I have, you've, I've asked you to set it down in writing to figure it out and now live this way. And they're like, but I can do that because now I know what it is. Mm. And, um, and so. And, but it forces them into the scripture, doesn't it? It forces them to dig. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you may be able to find something. You may not. It may be in there and you just don't know because you haven't read the whole Bible or you don't know how to, where you're looking or you're looking at a different version that doesn't use words that you understand or whatever. But it may also not be there. And if it's not there, then we need, we should talk about this and the other verses that are around it, because pretty much everything's addressed in the Bible somewhere. It's yeah. just a matter of figuring out where. And how, have, how, so a lot of what we're talking about are how students uh, respond is, how do the women that you're discipling respond to this kind of um, content, this kind of direction? This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say? This yes. is hard. <laughs> this is hard. And I don't know that I've ever looked at four different versions of the Bible at the same time to figure out if I what those words are, because... The English language is is so finite in comparison to some of the other languages that um, mm. Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. I mean, they they have nuances of language that we don't have mm. as much in English. So you really have to look at more of a collection of words rather than one word to get the idea of what that word means. And so different different translations have different words. They choose a different English word to say, this is what I think is being said here. And so when you take a, all of them together, you get a, maybe a better picture of okay. what is really trying to be said. And then you got to wrestle with it. What what version of the Bible do you find most helpful in discipling? I use the NIV okay. um, because it's easy. Um, it's easy to understand. But then when we start digging into study, word study kind of things, I use the Amplified Bible because... They add a whole lot of synonyms. The to Amplified word. Bible. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's on my on you version on the app. Oh, so you have it on your phone? Yeah, yeah. So cool. it's on my phone. <laughs> I you, switch versions you back have like and forth. Like ninety versions. Exactly, on your phone, exactly. And then I use the um, new revised standard version. Looking at word studies and yeah, things. yeah, yeah. So the person who's out there going, oh, now I got to go buy all these Bibles. No, no, they're it's on, on your phone. phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's on your phone, and it's beautiful because you can just change the version and stay in the same place, so you don't have to open, have like eight Bibles open at the same oh, time. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, cool, cool. So this worldview, so what kind of difference have you seen in the lives of women that you're discipling once they've been exposed to the worldview, they've complained about having to develop theirs, <laughs> you made them write it down, they've searched the different translations of Scripture. What are you personally seeing makes a difference for them? I think they get more comfortable with being in their Bibles. And not necessarily being told what to think about verses, but actually go find it and think for themselves. So there's a more of a comfort level of, I think I know what this verse means, but I'm not entirely sure. But I'm okay with not knowing everything. Um, so I think that's a huge, that's a huge place for them. Um, and for me too, to be able just to say, I don't, I don't know everything, but this is what I've got mm -hmm. at this point. And being willing to change, understanding that things are going to, are going to change over time, that we should be changed by the Bible and by God, the Holy Spirit. He should be changing us yeah. all the time. We just have to be open to that change. Mm. And so that, I think, is probably the biggest fruit. 
Mm-hmm. But really getting into our, to our Bibles is so huge in, wow. in our groups because we don't open our Bibles as much as we probably should. Yeah, it's the only way it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sitting on my desk is not actually doing me any good. <laughs> yeah, I was counseling not long ago, and I had a Bible laying on my coffee table, and uh, this couple walked in, and, and they looked at it, and they kind of winced. <laughs> and uh, one of them said, is that, is that a Bible, and do you use that in your counseling? And I said, well, it is a Bible, and I do use it, but it only works if you open it. And <laughs> yes. they, they, they laughed. Yes. But yeah, you know, Spurgeon, I think it was, who said the, li- the Bible is like a lion. Um, it doesn't need defending. Just let it out, and it'll mm-hmm. take care of itself. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.